the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today as we are each and every day from 3 to 5 talking about issues of the day from a Christian perspective. And it is Christmas time. We're getting into the season, and uh, I hope that uh, everything is going well for you with all of that. I got something I want to ask you to do or to think about, and maybe you've done this before, and you can call in and share your experience. For Christmas time, or maybe for some other holiday, maybe you did it on Easter or Thanksgiving or New Year's Day, other holidays. But, you know, holidays especially, I would say Christmas maybe more than all of them. Thanksgiving would be high on the list there. Have you ever invited just random people over for Christmas dinner? Found somebody at church or found somebody in your neighborhood who's just lonely, you know they're lonely, and you say, hey, we'll have you over for Christmas. Have you ever done that? I mean, not totally random, probably. You probably shouldn't just put out an ad the, you know, on Craigslist or something for random people, but do people still use Craigslist? Is that a thing, Wilbur? Do people still use that? Jose is saying yes, they do. I haven't used that for a while, and I thought, I wonder if the Craigslist is like... I'm more of an offer-up kind of guy. Yeah, I think people have moved on to some of the apps and things like that. <laughs> Craigslist. It's funny that that dates me. That used what to be... else is there? Facebook Marketplace? Yeah, Facebook Marketplace. That's where people just email you about the item and then they don't do anything. Yeah, Jose yeah. was stood up once by one. Oh, were you? It's an interesting thing. See, that's the kind of random people I think we want to avoid. The random person who might come to your house to kill you for $5, you know, that you're selling something for. Uh, not... Not really what you want to do. Let me let me bring this back though to the the exciting thing. See, Christy and I have done this a couple of times. We have put out a message on Facebook. So just like to our friends, people that we know, or people who are like loosely connected. I have a bunch of Facebook friends. I don't I don't know who they are, but I sort of know who they are. Um, we've done it before at church. I was the pastor, of course. It's easier to do that. Or, you know, neighborhood postings or things where you sort of know where people are, and you say, hey, if you don't have anywhere to go for Christmas dinner. Show up, show up at our house. And I got to tell you what, it has been fantastic. Have you ever done that? What was the experience like? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Or maybe you were invited. Maybe you were the person who got that invitation and you got up the nerve to show up at somebody's house that you don't know very well for a Christmas dinner. Sometimes you feel like you're imposing, right? Uh, But you're not if you're being invited, you know, that's how it goes. Well, we've done that a few times. Sometimes we've had no takers, but a couple of times we've had takers with that. And, you know, one time we had this Christmas dinner, I don't know, it was like 10 or 12 people. And it was the most hodgepodgey group you can think of. People from every background, every age, and people who we thought have nothing in common. I remember sitting down at that table and we're serving a ham or something. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, this is going to be weird. This is going to be a weird Christmas why did we do this? But I got to tell you what, it was not. It turned out to be one of the best. 
absolutely great Christmas dinner with people we hardly knew. Of course, by the end of the dinner, you know them a lot better. And in this case, they were mostly church people, and it was somebody who invited somebody who was not a church person who came. And I got to tell you, it became fantastic. We did this once at Easter, and we had Jewish friends come over, right? I mean, it was uh, we we it was an amazing thing. And we, we laugh about that time kind of with them and just how much we enjoyed that uh, time together. And it was just, they had nothing to do. And for them, it wasn't really even on their calendar, right? Even think about it. And, you know, I got to tell you why this is an important thing. And I want to encourage you to think about this and it's early, you know, think about it for new year's, you know, if you can't do it on Christmas, cause you might be, you know, couldn't do that. Um, make some extra food, Worst case scenario, you get some leftovers that you should toss after a few days. We talked about that a while ago. Best case is you feed somebody that day and you get to know somebody who would be terribly lonely. It's a rough day. And you know why it's rough? Here's why. It is a rough day because the holidays and special occasion type of days, those are the days where we feel attention. We feel attention between whether or not we actually belong somewhere. Right, whether or not there is a connection that we have that's supposed to be there. Sometimes we force ourselves to belong somewhere. Like we try to fit in. Right. And you know, the the trouble is with fitting in is you might change something about yourself or hide something about yourself. Or worst case, you do something terrible to yourself. You you compromise on your morals or you compromise on some other value that you've got. You you do something that just really isn't you. And you try to make it you maybe you want it to be you because you want this sense of belonging, but it blows up in your face eventually it doesn't work. The tension is that there is a place that everybody belongs, right, and you can break that down in different ways. We don't all necessarily belong in the same of every category, but there is a place that everybody as a Christian, I would say you do belong. you belong in the family of God. not everybody's going to accept jesus's offer of adoption into the family of God. But there is a sense, I think, that that belonging, and once you have that as a a real Christian, and I say that because sometimes people are going to church just to fit in, right? They, They don't necessarily believe things one way or the other, but they grew up going to church, and it's something where you go, and it's like you, it's kind of your social crowd. You get it, right? You understand the the dinners afterward, or you understand the potlucks. You understand the routine of all of it. You understand the, the service and how it goes, and you get particularly frustrated with your church if they change those kinds of things because your identity gets wrapped up into it. You're kind of fitting in. But it can be someplace where you don't really belong. But people who really belong, who understand the belonging to the body of Christ, you go with the flow as, as you have good times and bad times or things change, everything's always changing, you do a little better. That's because we we want to belong. You understand the difference? And I think that, you know, there there are large categories of belonging. One of them is the biggest one maybe is you belong in the uh, together as human beings for the sake of other people being human beings, that there is something special about human beings. We care about human beings in a way differently, most of us, than uh, other creatures. It's not that other creatures don't matter, um, but human beings do have a special place in this world. As a Christian, I believe it's because you're made in the image of God with a purpose to worship him and fellowship together and do that for eternity uh, through Christ. 
Uh, but as human beings, we, we acknowledge this, right? We, we know that the whales can't save the whales. Remember, there used to be the bumper stickers in those campaigns. Humans have to do it, right? There's things that human beings have to do and have to be responsible for. There is belonging in the family of humanity. But then there, you break that down even farther. But see, this is why days like Christmas and stuff are hard, because one place you belong is with family, if you've got them around. It's hard to not be able to be with family at the holidays. And the reason that's important is because there's some truth about where you belong when it comes to family, even if you don't get along with all of your family, even if it's not the most pleasant experience. There is still something about your family. It's where you belong. It's important. It's something that matters. So at Christmas time, it can be lonely, not just because you don't have people around, but because you have that sense, right, of belonging. Um, you know, if you're in the military, being away at holidays is difficult because you're away from your family or you're even in parts of the world that you're not used to. And it's hard to fit in sometimes in different parts of the country or different cultures out there. But knowing that you belong somewhere matters a great deal. It is an important thing to do. Recent studies point out that there's a tremendous difference between the idea of belonging and fitting in. And in fact, one of the greatest threats in our culture right now, and you see this all over the place, you're seeing it on the news right now with the the protests and when you get kind of underneath what a lot of that is about and ideals of ideas of sexuality and gender and other things is there is a tension about fitting in versus belonging. Why do people make choices in their life to alter their body or or to make voluntary decisions about things that is really meant to be like other groups of people or to become part of a certain group, uh, to be accepted in a certain way, or because it might, you think you and hope it's going to uh, help you with your anxiety or other things. And then sometimes it's just kind of a disaster. It's because that tension of fitting in versus belonging, we choose to fit in. It begins when we're kids and we're talking about peer pressure. I remember like in the third grade, maybe the fourth grade, my son James was telling me about who all the cool kids were and who the cool kids were not. And he had a sense where he ranked in all of that. And I thought, man, I don't remember really thinking about that in the third grade or fourth grade, but he had it all worked out. Crazy thing is probably right as far as social rankings go. But the thing is, is that that tension is just part of who we are. It begins younger, right? It begins when you're in preschool. It begins when you are young enough to sort of know. It begins probably even as an infant, the idea that you belong to a family, that you belong to a mother and a father. And that belonging, trying to figure out where you belong in a way that is true and being there is the right thing to do. And there's tremendous freedom to that. Um, Belonging is knowing who you really are. And you got to be careful. This is the tension that we have, right, in our culture today where people want to be their true, authentic self. Um, but the tension is, is, are you really being your true, authentic self or are you imagining a, a self that is not actually true or authentic, but it seems really nice, right? I, I imagine myself being Batman. One of the things my, my wife was somewhat bothered by when we uh, got married and she was looking in my closet as we were getting ready to move in uh, together was, uh, why do I have a Batman outfit in my closet? I have a, like a really good one. Like it's, I spent way too much money on it. A big old cape. In fact, the cape in my Batman outfit is so big that I'm not tall enough for it. It drags on the ground when I wear it, right? So whenever I'm Batman, I have to put on rollerblades because it gives me some height. Plus I flow and I, it uh, looks pretty cool. Um, and I looked at her and I said, uh, she's holding this up going, what is this? 
And I said, well, the reason I'm so tired all the time is I'm out late at night fighting crime. You, now that we're engaged, you can know that. And um, I would, you know, I, it's, it's obviously, it's a, I'm making a joke here about a fantasy, but sometimes we have a fantasy of, of life. It can be a career. It can be the way we sense ourselves or have certain skills, or maybe we tell stories about ourselves that we don't have. We tell stories and we, we exaggerate what we are like in sports growing up, or maybe now, you know, we, we seem to be able to imagine what we would like to be, but that's not really us. Sometimes we get there and we find out that's not really us. That happens when people suddenly get rich or when they suddenly get the, the fame and attention that they want to have, that it doesn't pay off. It doesn't turn out to be what people imagine. That's because they're trying to fit a, an identity that's not real. Part of what we want to do and the place where we have, as studies even say, the deepest satisfaction is when we actually get this right. And I'll tell you something about human beings. This is the Pastor Scott Show, by the way. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, if you want to join the conversation. The place we get this right often happens when we find out who we are because of difficult times or tragedies or events that happen around us all of a sudden, and we figure out something about our character. We figure out either, hey, I am a person of good character because I responded to really help somebody, or sometimes we find out, I am not, I got to work on something because I don't feel good about the fact that I didn't help out here. But see, when you get into those things, you start to realize something about humanity, about family, and, you know, this is something that you feel in the tension when the holidays are are here. So let me ask you this question. What is your identity? And as a Christian in our Christian program here, what is your identity? What is your family? Um, do you see this as a part of your church? You obviously have your, your family, the people that you're blood related to or related to by marriage, but you also have a Christian family. You have a family, maybe of friends. Maybe you have uh, all of your family is out of town and you're getting together with friends for the holidays. I think that can be a lot of fun, but you still miss your family uh, most of the time. And if you don't miss your family, you, you, you realize there's something wrong with that, right? But that's something that we, we kind of are. So where do you belong? And I mention this because in the Christmas story, there's a part of the Christmas story, if you're going to sit down and read it, if you are going to take time with your family to read the Christmas story, Matthew and Luke primarily, um, make sure you start at Matthew 1 and not Matthew 2. You know why? You know why that is? We usually skip Matthew 1. We skip, or at least most of Matthew 1, because it begins with this genealogy, right? Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers, and it goes on, and then there's some names that you recognize and some that you don't if you haven't actually read your Bible, and it kind of goes on and on and on. Most people don't. They skip all of that, and they get to the end here. It says this, there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. And then, finally, you get to verse 18, and then it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And then you get into the story, right? But just by skipping that first part, by skipping that genealogy, you miss the belonging. You miss where the Christmas story lands in history. You miss a significant point about the story, that this isn't a story for the case of storytelling. This isn't a story for the sense of the Christmas story of 
hey, wouldn't it be great if we actually liked each other? Wouldn't it be nice if we actually had um, a Messiah, if we actually had a Savior? Wouldn't it be nice if there was actually a hope after death? Because a lot of our loneliness, you know, that we have at Christmas time is that we've missed relatives who have passed away or close friends or people like that. If you've lost a relative or you've lost somebody near, this is a hard Christmas. For my wife, her mom passed away two years ago, January. So it'll be the second Christmas. And it's not as hard as last Christmas, but it's hard. It's super hard. You know, we we sense that because there is something about where we belong that we think about with these things. This is why Christmas matters to people. This is why holidays are so important. And it's why I'm asking you to think about this, to think about inviting random people over on your Facebook, people you know, or people within like a group of people, you know, it can be at your workplace. Hey, everybody, if you don't have a place to go for Christmas or New Year's, let me know and you can come to my house. And you might feel nervous about doing that. And maybe the person that you don't really like at work is going to do that. Or maybe somebody you've always thought was weird at your church that you don't want to sit by, whatever it is that, you know, that person might show up. That person needs to show up. And let me put it another way. If you are that person and you have no place to go and you don't know what you're going to do, and it's a terrible day. I know people who've said, I just want that day to be gone. I just, I want to sleep all day. Some people go do other things all day. You just want, you know, maybe you should let somebody know that you have no place to go. Let your pastor know. Just say, hey, pastor, I'm not inviting myself to your house, but, you know, pastors, you can do this. But, you know, I often would have people say to me, I don't have any place to go. And maybe I was going out of town. I couldn't invite them to my house. You know, there's different things. But it was great to know because then I knew people I could ask. I could say, hey, I can't have this person over, you know, for Christmas because we're leaving town. But, you know, would you invite this person or would you? And I could make sure. And I had actually a group of people doing this. It wasn't just me. I had a group of people who would every year try to figure out the people who come to church who pretend sometimes. Sometimes you know. I bet that person has nowhere to go. But sometimes you don't know. Sometimes there's a person who you believe is got this worked out. They know where they belong. Their family's around. Their relationships are good. All of those things are good. And you think that's true because of the way they present themselves at church or at work or at school or wherever it is. And the thing is, is that that person that you might think has got everything worked out, sometimes they don't. And if that's you and you're saying, yeah, I never have anybody in place to go, you got to tell somebody because maybe people aren't inviting you because they don't know. And if somebody does put out the random, hey, come on over, maybe you should take them up on that. You know, worst thing that happens is you get an awkward conversation over a meal that doesn't taste very good, but at least you got a story now. At least you did something. But I would say it probably is better than that. I'll bet the meal was pretty good. And I'll bet that it is a, a special time, even if it's just an hour, even if it's just, you know, 90 minutes. It could be hard because there might be some joy that other people are experiencing and you got to see that. But you can be happy for them and you might become part of that. This is part of the Christmas story. It's part of the Christmas story that we cannot miss, that when Jesus comes, he's inviting all of us to belong. When Jesus comes, he's saying, you know what? Nobody belongs. All fall short of the glory of God. Jew and Gentile alike, the Bible says. None of us can be saved by our own doing. But whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life that Jesus comes to be with us, to answer all the questions of philosophy and religion. 
Is there a God? Who is God? That's your philosophy. Why are we here? Where do I belong? That's your philosophical question. Jesus answers that. He made you. Um, Religion, Jesus answers that too. What must I do to be right with God, to be righteous, to be saved, whatever term you want to use? How do I deal with the spiritual angst that I have? Jesus says, believe in me. He calls you to follow him. And you find out in that life that there is belonging. In fact, you're welcomed into the family of God. That it's not just, oh, I accepted Jesus and now I'm a servant of the king. You are, but you're also a daughter or son. You're part of the family. You're a prince or a princess. And when that becomes your identity, who you are in Christ, then you always know where you belong. That whatever subcategory of where you might belong somewhere, uh, those things matter and they can be good, they can be difficult, whatever the situation is. But your relationship with Christ, that place you belong, it always matters. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can follow me at Pastor Scott Show on Facebook, X, or Instagram right now at Pastor Scott Show. You can watch us live in the live stream at kkla.com. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. With the holidays here, I've been thinking about belonging because it's such an important Subject really for all of us, because we want to belong somewhere. I have a friend. You ever do the Ancestry.com thing or one of those, uh, what's it, 23andMe, one of the DNA tests? You ever do one? You ever done one of those, uh, Wilbert, uh, uh, the uh, DNA tests? I have, but I have many friends who have. Yeah, yeah. Have you had any friends who, who found out something they wish they didn't know about because of it? Nothing that drastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's Some... always like one surprise, like, oh, I'm 6% this. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of wonder, is that even, you know, how do they know? But I guess they know. I'm uh, not really questioning it, but I have a friend, and, you know, he he did one of those. And, you know, he did it because uh, he was um, very, he's a Native American, and very into that for advocacy and all kinds of things. So he worked a lot with tribes. He worked with a lot of the poverty that is on many of our Indian reservations, and he had full headdress and the full gear. He knew so much about the different tribes, particularly local, you know, uh, California tribes. He knew all of this stuff and he got really into it, did his Ancestry.com DNA and found out he had no Native American blood at all. Nothing in his DNA, not even close. It was some story in his household, you know, not even Elizabeth Warren version, right? There was nothing there. His you know, it was a family story. We all have these family stories, right, that we, sometimes we tell, and sometimes they're true or they're sort of based in true, but they get sort of messed up over time. Well, this was totally made up. And, you know, it was depressing for him. He was very sad because he felt like, I have belonging. I've been helping so many people, and I'm involved here, and I have this headdress. You know, he points to it, and he says, all this stuff, I don't know what I'm going to do, he says. And I said, well, you don't have to change what you're doing. You can still be an advocate and you can still be a part of everything. Just, uh, you know, you don't have that in your blood, but maybe there's a reason that you're supposed to be uh, friends and helping these people. And, you know, I think he took that uh, eventually and still did it, but it changed something in him, right? It, it's like I'm in this particular club, but now I'm out. And I've always believed this about myself and I believed this was out. In in Christie's family, we discovered when we did her 
background and genealogy, we discovered that she's always believed that she was Irish from her mother's side of the family. And but we discovered that there was an adoption and the adoption happened because one of her great grandfathers um, died in the Civil War fighting for the North. And he died. But when he died, his wife was pregnant with his child. And so she gives birth to the child, later marries an Irish guy, and uh, that child later takes the Irish guy's name, and uh, everybody thought they were Irish. But it turns out they're actually German. That's where they come from. The guy's old, the original name was Kratz. He became Beeson. Um, but, you know, when I was telling the story to Christie's extended family, a bunch of cousins and people one time. And I thought, I don't know if I should even share this information because it can rock people's world when you find out there's something different about your family or who you thought you were, right? And I notice as I'm telling the, the story and explaining all of it, and I can document it. I've got the story of the adoption. It's in the, I mean, it's, an, it's a great story, actually, really great story about adoption and how this guy really helped this family and the young son eventually takes his um, adopted father's name, all of that. And it's all right there in newspapers. It's actually been written up. Well, they're getting all teary-eyed during it. I'm not sure at first if they're mad at me, you know, or if they're just in disbelief but it didn't seem like it. And when I got done telling the story, they said, well, now we know. And they're crying because one of the cousins, young girl, had uh, cancer growing up as a kid and needed a bone marrow transplant. And they couldn't find bone marrow, the right match anywhere until a German person, somebody in Germany matched and saved her life. And that's probably why, because they're not Irish, they're German. It probably has something to do with it, and that's the way they felt. You know, and it created a different sense of belonging for them. Anyway, the, the, if you can do it, and I realize that some people, they, you can't. You, know, you don't have a family background, or you're from you know, um, a place that just didn't keep those records and stuff. The DNA is making that possible now. It's a very odd time that we live in for that. Well, I'm bringing that up because I don't want you, as we, we think about the holidays, we think about the Christmas time. Before the break, I was talking about Matthew 1 and the genealogy. See, in the genealogy, don't skip it. If you're going to study the Christmas story, don't think that the genealogy doesn't matter. It matters tremendously. It is a huge part. And the reason why is this. It's, a, it's not a genealogy as much as it's a resume of Jesus. The genealogy tells you where Jesus belongs. And in the old day, your resume was your, your genealogy. You know, you were, that's how people for a long time, really it's fairly recent that, you know, sort of last names and other ways that we identify each other family-wise has mattered as much because you're, in the old days, your genealogy is where you belong. It's how a person recommended himself to the world. You were part of a certain family and you would introduce yourself as the son or the daughter of somebody. So I would be Instead of saying, I'm Scott Furrow, I would say, I am Scott, son of Donald, because that's my dad's name, you know. And I could also say, I am Scott, son of Donald, and mean my grandfather, because his name was Donald also. And I could even go back a little ways. You probably don't go back too far unless you have a notable ancestor, right? Somebody that you wanted to say, you know. So if I had a notable ancestor, I have one notable ancestor. I am Scott, son of John. And John would have been John Washington, who's my 11th great-grandfather, Colonel John Washington. He's George Washington's great-grandfather. And that would, I could introduce myself as that, even though it's 11 generations away. 
But I could say, hey, I connect, you know, to this family, whatever it is. Now, by the time you go that far back in your tree, you're kind of related to everybody. Have you ever done that before? Like there's some the, – the genealogy of, of President Barack Obama and Vice President Dick Cheney, they're actually cousins. Did you know that? That they're separated not that far, <laughs> not that far actually back. But pretty soon we're all related to everybody, which – Actually, is another way of belonging, right? Is that we, 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 you know, there's a lot of terrible reasons why anybody hates anybody, but you really shouldn't hate too much because we're all related eventually. And uh, so you can, you're in the old days, that was, that was really, really important. And, you know, back then, like today, sometimes people fooled around with their resume to make themselves look better. Like you could mess around with your, your genealogy if you want to and claim that you were a kid. You know, Herod the Great, King Herod from the Christmas story, he purged all kinds of names out of his genealogy because he wanted to make himself look better as king. And it was to fit into what kind of role the king would require him to be. But his genealogy ultimately wasn't true. Uh, And people kind of knew that, but he had a lot of power. And what are you going to do? I have a, a friend who graduated from Arizona State University, has a master's degree from ASU. But on her resume, she leaves off uh, other colleges. She there were three other colleges that she went to, and that contributed to her undergraduate degree. She leaves them all off because she either dropped out or flunked out of those schools for various reasons. Right, so she hides that part. You know what matters at the end of the day is I did graduate from ASU and I got a master's degree from there. Here's an interesting thing about Jesus. Jesus does the opposite. Matthew one in this genealogy, the beginning of the Christmas story. It's unlike other genealogies that you're going to see. He, for number one, there's five women on there. In ancient times, you didn't put women in your genealogy because they weren't important. They weren't legally important. It just didn't matter. So you're always the, the you know, you always did the fathers and only counted the father's line and you didn't really count the mothers. Uh, you would if there was no father available, right? If you just didn't know. But generally, you wouldn't do that. And what's amazing about Jesus's resume in Matthew 1 is most of the women are Gentiles, which you certainly wouldn't add if you're going to be king of the Jews, if you're going to claim to be the Jewish Messiah, Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. Uh, you got Canaanites, you got Moabites, you got people who weren't allowed even into the holy place of the temple. In the Jesus's resume, his genealogy, it includes moral offenders of the worst kind, famous ones, some of the most well-known and sordid and nasty sinful incidents in the Bible. They're right there in the beginning of the Christmas story in Jesus's genealogy. Uh, verse 3 of chapter 1 of Matthew, it says, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. You know, Judah, you know what happened there? There's an incestuous act, okay? Tamar tricked her father-in-law, Judah, into sleeping with her. That's part of the story. You find that kind of stuff. I found in one of my family lines, a uh, this was one of my great-grandfathers, he had two families. There was a rumor in our family that that was true, right? But we couldn't prove it. Well, because of of census reports now that we have and other technology, I just you know, and his the reputation of him was is that he would leave the house in the morning and come back two years later. And he would say that he was going into Texas and working in the oil fields or something. But uh, actually, it turned out he was going about fifty miles away, and he had another wife and a couple of kids with somebody else. And we discovered that to be true because of the census, right? That's not a story that that we would promote. Like it's it's much more fun for me to tell the Washington story than it is the uh, the Grandpa Asa story and the fact that he had another family out there. Um, 
And it gets worse than that because some of his kids from wife number one were living next door to wife number two, which means they actually knew about it, right? They, they, it wasn't just a family rumor to them. They knew about it. We discovered this when we went through there. And I remember it hurt my dad. It, it, he pounded the table and he said, they knew. It was like, we're talking about, you know, 70 years later, we're discovering this. You would think it doesn't matter, but it does because it affected where he belonged. The great thing about these characters and Jesus's resume, his genealogy, Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute from Jericho, King David, you got royalty on your resume. That's cool. Um, but uh, look at what it says here. And Jesse, the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. It brings up the murder that King David was a murderer. I mean, that's a part of the story of the belonging here. It, it is something that maybe you want to push something away. Maybe it's something you don't feel like it's part of it. But a great thing about Jesus is he invites this all in. A great thing about the Bible is it doesn't wipe the slate clean of things that just don't seem right. It's really there. And that's how Jesus can invite you and I into his family. Because whatever we've done before, it's not worse than these people. And yet they're part of the family of Jesus you can be too. Pastor Scott Show, the number is 888-528-2557, If you want to join the conversation, we'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. We're talking about belonging in this holiday season. And, uh, you know, I want to make sure that when you deal with the Christmas story or the story of Jesus, whenever you're telling it, that you don't skip the genealogy that's in the beginning of Matthew chapter 1. It's so easy to skip that. And if you start off, you know, in uh, your Bible reading, maybe the first of the year, maybe you're going to read the New Testament, for example, don't skip it. Read it. And maybe take some time to study all those characters because you find out something that is profound about the fact that those are included in the genealogy of Jesus. And it tells you so much about who he is, where he comes from, what his resume is, what that is effectively in that day and age, what it means, who he is, where he fits in the history, and why you should believe in him. So much is there and why you should trust that you have forgiveness of sins when you believe in him because a bunch of people in that list have been forgiven uh, by Christ, too. 888-528-2557. Uh, Bob in Garden Grove, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, uh, Pastor Scott, thank you for having me on the show. I I was just uh, really laughing the way you made the comments about the genealogy of Jesus. And, uh, you know, when you lined up and put it all together, I was just, oh, man, I was cracking up. But anyway, I, I want, and you said something about the family of family. Okay, I want to say one thing. You know, my grandparents, whatever they've done, it, they're going to have to answer to God. It has nothing to do with me. I belong to the family of God. Right. My father, whatever my father did, he's going to have to answer to God. Whatever my grandfather did, or whatever my cousins, or uh, even including my wife and my kids, I'm not responsible for none of them. You know, it's... I'm responsible for, for me, what I'm going to answer to God. That's what it matters. It's a great thing to be part of the family of God in a lot of ways for that reason, because a lot of us have relatives, probably all of us have some relatives that we wish weren't on the list. Of course. 
course, you know, I, oh, I, I understand that 100%. You know, that's yeah. why I was laughing because I was just looking at my family. I said, oh, my goodness, you know, I understand. But I'm glad I don't, I, that doesn't bother me. That's just, this is their life and their decision in life. They're going to have to answer to God. Yeah. That's what all right, Bob, thanks for calling. But you know what, the, the message there, too, and we were talking in the last segment, if you just joined us, I, I have some people in my family line that I would say, hey, this is great that I'm related to this person, and other people I would say, yeah, I wish I didn't know that. Um, but here's the thing. Jesus dies for all of those people, all of those people in our family tree, whether they're good people or bad people, whatever the situation is, because scripturally, all of us, uh, none of us are good people. All of us need a Savior, regardless of how we've lived our life. People might be better than others, and there's a scale, I suppose, you know, of good people, bad people. You always want to be a good person, but you can't be good enough. And a great thing that we see in Jesus's genealogy, one of the reasons not to skip it, is he owns all of those people. He owns people who are known in the Bible for their immorality or prostitution or idolatry. Um, you have people from all kinds of different backgrounds also in there. So it's it isn't it isn't just that uh, you know the the sinful stuff. It's that Jesus represents people from all kinds of different background. There are people in that list of Jesus's ancestry in Matthew one who were not allowed because of their race, basically, or because they were enemies of Israel. They weren't allowed to go into the presence of God in the temple, right? They couldn't go. But Jesus owns them, too, because now they can, because the temple's curtain has been torn, because when you go through the story, everybody, by faith, can approach the throne of grace and receive the grace of God. And that gives you permission, too, in your family, the place that you belong, whether you acknowledge it or you want to pretend it's not there to give grace to your relatives, to give grace to the people who have offended you, to give grace to people who are different than you. They, they don't need grace just because they're different than you, but sometimes people feel that way. To also be humble enough to know that, that there are people in your family tree who might need to give you grace, right? That's the great thing. You know, the thing about grace is grace is something that is so desperately wanted when we need it. Right? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is when you do something stupid, you do something bad to somebody, and you're just caught you know, dead to rights. You did it, and you're just begging them not to abandon you, and you're begging them for their forgiveness, and maybe there's no way to make it up to them. There's nothing you can do. Just please forgive me, and they give you grace, and it's wonderful. It's so great to receive it. It's hard to give it, though, sometimes to people who have hurt you, to people who have stolen from you, from people who have harmed you somehow. It's so hard to give grace. And yet you see, Jesus does give grace, and he gives it freely. And that's how we should be. And that's a reminder when we're thinking of our belonging and where we belong, and maybe there's people that we belong to that we just feel like, ah, I don't really like it. Grace is something that is what we see in the resume and in the work of Jesus Christ. He adopts us into his family by faith. The greatest and the least sit down as equals in his genealogy. And we all belong to him. And then, you know, what happens is his genealogy becomes ours. It's an amazing thing when you think about this, that the grace of Jesus is so pervasive that even the, to put it in King James, the begats of your Bible, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, if you're using an old translation, it's dripping with grace. It's so much grace. And, you know, as we think about this with the holidays and wherever we are, it's an honor to be a believer, to be 
welcomed into the family of God, that Jesus is not ashamed of us when we profess his name as our Lord. Um, Hebrews 2.11 says, both the ones who make people, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus is not ashamed of you. Do you know this? He came for you. See, we like to say that Jesus is the reason for the season, but, uh, you know, actually, you're the reason for the season. Did you know that? Everybody you know is the reason for the season, because without us, Jesus doesn't need to come. Without our sin, without our fallenness, uh, Jesus doesn't need to come. It's an interesting way to look at that, right? That you're the reason for the season. Your spouse is the reason for the season. Your kids, your parents, your mother-in-law even is the reason for the season, Jesus, the Messiah, came and died to make them holy, and he's not ashamed of them, and he's not ashamed of you. When you profess his name, when you say, he is Lord, and I'm going to follow him, and I believe that he died for my sins. This is is one of many reasons why the Christmas story is so great. And Jesus is not asking you to sort of fit in with some sort of religious culture. In fact, he's asking you to be holy and separate and distinct in your life and embrace who you really are in him, to embrace why you were made the way you were. You know, the reason that sin is bad in the scriptures and in Christian life, it's not because it harms, it does harm. It's not because it breaks religious rules, but because it's not who you are. One of the things that you recognize, and this is one of the things that people struggle with so much in their desire to fit in somewhere, is that we'll give in morally. We'll give in on values that we know aren't right. We'll, we'll even follow people who are bad people or who are leading us the wrong way, but they're popular and we get likes and we get attention. But it leads us to destruction. Where the interesting thing is when we follow Jesus and we do what he says and we obey him, it's not so that we fit in at church. Who cares? It's so that we get to be who we really are children of the king, people who are not, who Jesus is not ashamed of. That's who we are. And that's part of the Christmas story. That's why the, the genealogy matters, because you're going to find yourself in there somewhere in those people who are part of Jesus's family. I talk about this because I think we live in a time where we get so busy, especially during the holidays, and we're busy with family a lot of the time, and that's okay. But sometimes we're busy with so many other things. We forget that there are people around us who would like to be busy with family, but they're not or who are busy with family, but it's painful because they are. And there is a desire for us so much to understand who we are meant to be. That's the story of Jesus. You are meant to be in the family of Christ. And you get there by believing in him, that this Christ child, the baby in the manger, would grow up to live a perfect life that you can't live, and then you get credit for it, and he dies to pay the penalty for the sin that you have or the spiritual angst that you have, whatever it is you're feeling spiritually. He pays that off. And then he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to believe in me and the freedom that you have in this life, the place where you find your belonging is when you follow Jesus. So ask yourself this question, do you belong or are you just fitting in? Fitting in is the path to destruction and loneliness. It's the enemy of belonging. But when you consider Christmas this year, ask yourself, do I belong? And how do you tell? Do you love each other or do you just criticize? Do you look at others and wonder if they're seated at anyone's table, you know, at Christmas and look around and go, do you have a place to go? I started off by encouraging you to leave an empty chair to invite somebody to your Christmas dinner or your New Year's or whatever works for you. 
Take some time to do that. Invite somebody. Find somebody who doesn't have a place to go. Somebody maybe you don't know very well. Somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody at school. Maybe you got a class with somebody and you're wondering where you're going. Maybe it's a it's a church. Maybe it's safer at church to put out a wider net to say, hey, if anybody has a doesn't have a place to go, come to my house. And you know, you could do that on your Facebook, your in, your social media, your Instagram, your Twitter machine. If you, you know, it's probably better if you do it on you know, Facebook or Instagram. If you use those, there are probably more people that you know a little closer to. But put it out there. You might be surprised who doesn't have a place to go. And it doesn't matter what their background is. If they're not Christian, if they're some other faith, if they are people who just struggle with a lot of stuff, maybe they just need you to reach out, and maybe that's part of how they come to Jesus, is the love that you show them. Maybe the reason that you're connected with them, maybe the reason that you're listening to this right now is God is going to use you and these holidays for that person's salvation. You have no idea what might lay in the balance of you inviting people to come have dinner with you on Christmas or New Year's or any time that you have that available. People want to belong. Show them that everybody can belong and be secure in Christ. All right, that's the end of that sermon, but this is uh, so important on this holiday, and I didn't want to miss that today. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast of this hour or any hour of our show that you might have missed by going to your favorite podcast app and click on and search for the Pastor Scott Show. Click on subscribe or follow or whatever the button says. Give us a follow, and you can share that with uh, somebody on your social media or somewhere else. Just uh, you think that might be something they would like to listen to, invite them to be a part of our show. And you can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, X, Instagram, at Pastor Scott Show. Give us a follow right now. We'll be back with Hour 2 as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.